You're listening to The John DiPietro Show. I'd like you to take a look at the website, dipietro.com. We have some stories up. Illegals run amok in McKee, Rhode Island. That's one you definitely want to click on and read. Now, we also, over the course of the weekend, we have the story up. And what does it say? Did McKee have the illegal alien child molester released? Now, that was posted on Saturday. Again, you can read it on dipietro.com. And this all has to do with the amount of illegals in the state. And you had this uh, child molester from Guatemala who the ICE detainer, ICE had a detainer on him. But what happened was, and I want you to understand this, and this is important. In 2014, Governor Chafee directed the state's executive agencies and the the DOC, Department of Corrections, stop honoring federal immigration detainers without a court order. In 2017 and 2018, under then Governor Gina Raimondo, state lawmakers failed to pass a bill barring ICE personnel from entering schools, hospital, courthouses without a judicial warrant. So Governor McKee, through executive order, could change this whole thing. Now, I really want to draw attention to, and I'm very impressed with the reporting, the Johnston Sunrise came out with a story yesterday, and in the course of the story, this kicked off things that we have been talking about. Now, I mentioned that State Senator Jessica De La Cruz, the Senate Minority Leader, she said she was going to request information about how this guy was released, and then the yesterday johnston sunrise federal rhode island officials disagree over the aci's prisoners release rory Schuler, guatemalan national arrested last year allegedly sexual assault of a child incarcerated then released despite a u.s immigration custom enforcement ice order to keep him in custody he enjoyed 10 months of freedom last week they announced he was rearrested and they put it out in a press release and one of the things they did was they put in the headline, local, jurisdic- local jurisdiction ignored ICE detainer and released the Guatemalan national. Governor McKee's office deferred comment on it. They tried to punt it to the DOC, which is wrong. He controls it. Senate Minority Leader Jessica De La Cruz has called for an immediate hearing with sworn testimony. And then in the course of the story, you have Attorney General Peter Narona, who then we learned argued the case during a hearing. And he said, Peter Narona said, that, you know, they, they were fighting it. There was a surety bail of 50000 over the objection of the office. He posted the bail. And Peter Narona, the Attorney General, um, in this Johnston Sunrise story, goes on to say, that essentially that Governor McKee should be asked and that McKee's office has refused to clarify whether the policy remains in place. Now, I'm going to spoiler alert her here. I'm not saying he inherited it, Governor McKee, but he could change it. So Chafee set the new policy saying they no longer honor federal immigration detainers without a warrant. McKee's office refusing to clarify because you know why because they haven't changed anything now as a result of the johnston sunrise story as as a result of ice putting out their story as a result of um you know drawing attention to this channel 12 Nerona joins ice criticizing release of the suspect and i like this a lot and this this should more be happening so i want to play this good job by matt paddock reporter of wpri channel 12. so attorney general nerona joining ice criticizing and i want you to listen to some of the things he says that i have been saying about the 
Listen to this. And the state's attorney general in the case of a Guatemalan national accused of child molestation in Rhode Island. I'm Shannon Heggie. I'm Mike Montecalvo. That man was released from custody Lead even though story. he was wanted by immigration authorities, as yep. we told you last week. He's now in ICE custody, but questions remain as to why he was released in the first place. 12 News reporter Matt Paddock joins us now from the State House with more. Matt. The top Republican in the state Senate says she wants an oversight hearing to see what happened in this case. As the attorney general says, he and his team did everything in their power to make sure that the man did not get out on bail. I was floored. I, I was in total disbelief that this could happen in Rhode Island. Senate Minority Leader Jessica De La Cruz says she's baffled about why a Guatemalan man accused of molesting a child in Rhode Island was released from custody. We cannot allow it to happen again. On Friday, federal immigration authorities announced they had caught the unidentified man who they say is in the country illegally. They also criticized officials in Rhode Island for letting the man go last April, even though ICE had asked that he be detained. ICE requested a detainer. And this individual should have never been released. The suspect was first arrested by Providence Police in March 2023 and charged with felony child molestation. Rhode Island Attorney General Peter Narona says his prosecutors fought to keep the man behind bars, but a judge disagreed. The allegations were serious enough and the evidence was strong enough that uh, he could and should be held without bail because he was a danger to the community and a flight risk. The reason uh, he had bail set was because a state district court judge set bail over our objection after an evidentiary hearing. Nerona says he doesn't know how the man came up with the bail money or why the state ignored ICE's detainer. They report to the governor, and I think you should ask that question of him. That's to the right. extent it needs to be answered at all, it's the governor who should be answering it. Those That's are his right. agencies. A spokesperson for the Department yes. of Corrections tells 12 News the Rhode Island Sheriff's Division had custody of the man when he was released following the judge's bail ruling. The Department of Public Safety, which includes the sheriffs, declined to comment. 12 News reached out to Governor Dan McKee's team, but have not heard back at this time, as the suspect is in ICE custody, awaiting a hearing in front of an immigration judge. Reporting in Providence, Matt Paddock, 12 News. It is McKee. He's trying to punt this again. This guy, he's Biden. He's asleep at the switch. McKee has the policy that Chafee had. He could change it. Attorney General Peter Narona, I'm glad to see him say he's the one that should be asked. They report to him. Folks, do you see the pattern here? You know, there's a problem with the bridge. McKee blames DOT. They report to him. The The financing with the Pawtucket Stadium is, is ludicrous. He blames Pawtucket. And now the, the Department of Corrections, they release an illegal, and he blames them. It's his policy. They report to him. Wow. Clearly, Governor McKee doesn't believe in the old adage, the buck stops here, normally what a leader would say. I commend Attorney General Peter Narona calling it out. Governor McKee and his failed policies are to blame. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. AJ, drywall, plaster, home improvement, Call them today for a free quote. You can also find them on Facebook, 401-323-9252. 323-9252, AJ, drywall, plasters, home improvement, frame to finish basements. What a difference it'll make in your basement. Acoustic ceilings. Look how beautiful your ceiling could be. New homes, additions. Also, commercial rehabs, painting, remodeling. Contact them today. It's a family-run business. AJ Drywall Plaster Home Improvements. Call for a free quote. What a difference they'll make in your home, your ceilings, floors, basements. 401-323-9252. What a difference. Beautiful walls and ceilings. 401-323-9252. You can also find them on Facebook. It's AJ Drywall Plaster and home improvements for your home or business. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Well, I like the uh, Channel 12, give them credit, have a story, not favorable terms. $132 million for the Pawtucket Soccer Stadium causes sticker shock. It's just the beginning. There'll be change orders. This thing will certainly go well north of 150, closer to 200,000 before it's all done. So let's dip in 
with uh, WPRI Channel 12, and they go inside the numbers with this ridiculous cost for the soccer stadium. Here we go. Um, and we pick it up right, he right here. Okay years, right, Eli? And yeah. he's here now in studio. So, Eli, Rhode Island government agencies have officially closed on this bond deal, so the hefty price tag for Listen taxpayers is getting some national attention now that we have the numbers. Yeah, Ted, it's a lot. And uh, to be clear, this is no longer a proposal. The deal is done. And some bond documents that we got are now revealing just how expensive the project has gotten. I want you to take a look at this chart. Rhode Island taxpayers are going to spend $132 million total on this bond for the stadium. That blue part at the bottom, that represents the $27 million that's actually going into construction of the stadium. Rhode Island taxpayers have to pay all that back to bondholders over 30 years, plus interest, financing, costs, and other administrative fees. It gets a little complicated, but in simple terms, Rhode Islanders are going to spend $132 million to fund $27 million of construction. The numbers are just, I know you and I were both taken aback because we've covered various bond deals before. And just to help folks understand how unusual this is, take a look at this. The national headline on a national article last week from Bloomberg News, Rhode Island City draws eye-popping yield on municipal debt for new soccer arena. And the story goes on to say that local taxpayers are, quote, paying dearly for this project. Eli, you reported more than a year ago as well that the, the forecast showed the stadium isn't going to make nearly enough money in terms of new tax revenue to cover the cost of this bond. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what we're seeing with these bond documents also is that that really the, the governor is prepared to go to lawmakers and ask for more money if there's a need. And that really flies in the face of what they've been saying for years that they won't, you know, that taxpayers will not be on the hook for this. Yeah, because we were, we've been told that, you know, this is going to be covered by the stadium, this, taxpayers won't be on the hook, and now we know a lot of money every year is going to be going into this. Let's take a look at uh, one other piece of this deal, which is interesting, which is, well, how much is it going to cost to attend a game? So, as you've been saying, you've been going through these bond documents, and if you look into it, they have kind of projected what they think the cost is going to be compared with some of the other prominent sports teams in our region. Yeah, absolutely. The the developer of the team has played it coy in terms of what it's going to cost to catch a game. But these bond documents, they did show um, a breakdown of those things. The grand, grand reveal here is that a ticket's going to cost you $29.50 on average. And by comparison, you can see here that the PC's men's basketball game is $47, New England Revs. $38, P. Bruin, $30, and a Brown football game there at $25. So it's going to be interesting to see what the attendance looks like once this stadium is finally built. Well, Eli has a lot more information on this project on WPRI.com. That's also where you can find my recap in the Nisi's Notes column from this past weekend. Eli, thanks for being here. Great to be here. Folks, again, to have an idea nice of job by Channel 12 in, uh, in doing that story. Now, just to be clear, uh, they're going to be giving away tickets. No no one's paying $30. I mean, so what, family of four? You're going to pay 120 bucks to go see minor league? Well, you don't know any of the players. They, they, they're going to have to, they're going to, I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen. The unions, whoever, uh, McKee, whatever, I, I don't know who, who's going to be behind it. Probably someone actually that wants to do business with the state. But no, they're going to be, they will give away block, the whole trick here, they'll give away blocks of tickets to just get the place and then try to make money off the concessions. They're, they're going to be, and, and by the way, the business of P. Bruins, I mean, how many people are really actually even paying for P. Bruins tickets? Uh, they're constantly giving them away. Is And, and, and I'm, I'm trying to be fair. I'm not knocking the P. Bruins. Is, is there a market for that? There is. Um, they, they, I think when the P. Bruins first started, it's my understanding that the Friday night games, they used to draw eight, like 8,000 people. That's a lot of people. That's a, If you get 8,000 people to go to an event local, that, that's a lot of people. The last few times that I've gone to a P. Bruin game, it's far more in the vicinity of maybe 3,000. So the 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 them playing at the amp at the um, isn't it the amp now or the civic center? It's it's way too big. You're not going to build them, uh, you know, their own 
they, you're not going to build them their own arena. Hey, the Reds used to play at the old Rhode Island Auditorium. I remember going to some Reds games at the Civic Center. Not a lot, but I remember going to some. Now, the PC men's hockey team, and, you know, they play their games on campus, and they they draw a good crowd, but they certainly would look empty if it was inside the dunk. But the idea that anyone is going to shell out 120 bucks for four people to go see the minor league soccer team, they this will reach the point that they can't even give the tickets away. They will be giving away blocks of tickets to youth groups. They just want to fill the stadium, get the experience. And and let me say, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that or that's even a bad you know, a bad idea. That that happens a lot of times. You have something new. The whole uh, part of the equation it, it will kind of work with the paw socks. Get them inside McCoy. Just get the bodies in there. Let them experience the game. Let them. You, you're going to make your money off the concessions, but you're not going to make anything if you're staring at a bunch of empty seats. So I would imagine the first year, the entire strategy is let's get schools, let's get as many people possible. Try to fill. That's a lot of people for a minor league soccer. Ten thousand people that that's a lot of people so it may not sound like it but the p bruins have been around for quite some time and and maybe they're drawing they used to have the attendance numbers in the providence journal i don't i don't even know if they put post that anymore but it used to be around 3200 2900 somewhere in there and again i'm not knocking it that's like filling the p pack so that's a good crowd but there's there's no way that there's no way 5,000 people are going to be paying to go to these soccer games. It's going to be, they want to show crowd. They want to show, you know, families. They want to show people coming together. I, I also want to mention, I, I don't think it's the worst idea to go in that direction. It's different. The demographics of the state certainly are more favorable for, to watch soccer than to watch baseball. But, the numbers on this stadium just they don't make sense but the reason they don't make sense is that's not the reason it came together it came together because governor mckee had to fulfill a campaign promise folks you're listening to the john DePietro show aep services they take great pride installing fences of all kinds vinyl wood aluminum chain link experience quality integrity call aep services today for quality fence, home or business, 401-228-7190. 401-228-7190. Residential fence, commercial fence, steel, wood guard, rail, they have it all. Beautiful aluminum product, decorative landscape. It adds a lot to it for your stunning property. Call the experts today, AEP Services, 401-228-7190 residential or commercial why not enjoy your backyard a little privacy or maybe keep a pet or young children inside remember they also have fences they're resilient water resistant call today 401-228-7190 free quote aep services the fence experts 401-228-7190 you're listening to the John DePietro Show. Boston Herald, Dedham, divided by migrant hotel catering proposal set for meeting tonight. A proposal to turn a shuttered restaurant into a catering facility for migrant families living in a Dedham hotel has divided the town. Some stating the business proposition indicates emergency shelter will linger there for longer than planned. So it's the Guri Hotel Management, Guri Dedham, will appear before the zoning appeal, request a special permit to allow for a kitchen-only facility at the former Victoria Grill on Elm Street. The shuttered restaurant is associated with a fear fill-in by Marriott Boston Dedham, one of two hotels in town being used to house homeless, newly-arrived migrant families, part of the state's emergency shelter assistance program, the other being the Holiday Inn. So the applicant seeking a variance in town zoning from the ZBA allow for catering business. 
The proposal calls for the former Victory Restaurant to be restored from a vacant building to kitchen-only facility to produce food for the inn and Denham population. Application is also requesting its service other locations. So there are 100, apparently, according to the Herald article, 161 families, including newly arrived migrants, living between the two Dedham hotels, Fairfield Inn and Holiday Inn, that have been tapped as part of the state's emergency shelter program. The exact number of people living Fairfield Inn is unclear, but the state's capacity limit set at Roxbury in Boston. 100 families were understood to be up 400 people that could be housed there. 400. What other locations would be served by the proposal was unclear. So Holiday Inn, blah, 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 thought not to be included. Um, folks, do you see, though, how much this is starting to infringe? The problems at the border. Now, one of the states that certainly is having problems with it is, in fact, Massachusetts because of the right to shelter, which means under the current law that they have to um, shelter these people, regardless of what their immigration status is. I believe that Governor Healy, the governor of Massachusetts, I think she is absolutely lining up what this, I believe, will be. I think this is going to be a voting issue. I think it's, they may not realize that, but this is going to turn into a voting issue for many of these people. And the fact they may want to try to, um, you know, distract or maybe hope that they're going forward, that maybe it, it wouldn't be still such an issue, but it is absolutely just continues to be such a burden on the system and with, with no end in sight, really this there's, there's no solution that anyone is providing right now that is going to deal with this. But it, in essence, it, it deals with with what is happening at the border, and then it filters into, but it, it's not filtering into all states. It's filtering into, let's face it, Democrat-run states, Democrat governors, whether it be it's Governor McKee or Governor Healy, and I'm sure they feel that it's unfair and what are we supposed to do? But the fact of the matter is, I mean, it, this is so unfair. It's so costly. There is, um, there, there's no reason why regular taxpayers should be asked to foot the bill for all of these people that are coming in from other countries. And let's, let's be very clear. These are not asylum claims. These are not people coming from war-torn countries. That's not what this is. What, what this comes down to is people that simply want to seek uh, a better life. And they feel that they would, in fact, get a better life in the United States. Now, as much as someone may say, in this, you know, they're entitled to that. They're actually not entitled to that. But I think um, some of the experiments that are going on for instance, now, Governor McKee, they're going to open, quote, a homeless shelter right at the URI campus. Now, they may say that this is just for homeless families, but now they're going to start to put them on state property. And a problem with a lot of these um, proposals, and it's, it's all experimental, is they never end. They never end. This is the uh, story on NBC10. For families dealing with homelessness, NBC10's Allegra Zamor is at our live alert desk with what this really means it will bring to the community at large. Allegra, good morning. Hey, good morning, Allison. Well, this shelter has been in the works for several months now with state leaders trying to tackle the need for something like this in Washington County. Before this, there weren't any family shelters in the area. The building is on the outskirts of URI's campus behind the boss ice arena and near the bike path. It was most recently used to help people with developmental disabilities during emergencies and a group recovery home for people with COVID-19. And now it'll be home to a dozen families experiencing homelessness. Russ Partridge with Warm Center said in November they were getting three to four calls a day from families in Washington County who were homeless or on the verge of becoming homeless. Despite some delays in getting things up and running, he's hoping this will ease some of that burden. Somebody asked me, when do you want this up and running? And I had said yesterday. 
uh, would be really good because we could fill it uh, today. But this is a new project and it's a new process. So there are always bumps in the road. I see this as, as something that, they, you know, it's just going to delay it for a little bit. The team running the shelter will offer case management services to the families staying there. We're told the program will cost about $288,000 and is set to be open through April. At the Live Alert Desk, Allegra Zamor, NBC 10 News. All right. And it's just the beginning. I am telling you right now, when you start to experiment with, this is taxpayer fund, when you start to experiment, where you're going to pay the rent for these people. It, it starts this way. It doesn't end. It only expands. Remember, if you it, it, we found it during COVID. If you pay people not to work, they're not going to work. If you tell people, we'll pay for your housing, then they're going to expect you to pay for their housing. I believe this is a mistake. You start to go down this road. And they always, just so we're clear, they always say that it's for homeless families. But that is a revolving definition. The people that are involved with it, they, the fact of the matter is they don't turn anyone away let alone when they're dealing with other people's money. So this is, and I want to be very clear, this is not a solution. It's not a solution. It's, you go down this end, you're not helping these people. They then take the mindset that they don't work. Other people provide for them. And there's nothing healthy about that. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Great meal, a great time is waiting for you. At the Coesed Inn, Rhode Island tradition since 1977, 226 Coesed Avenue, West Warwick. They have a large dining room, perfect, maybe a, a group, uh, maybe a collation, lunch. The Coesed Inn, getting a big group together or maybe just you alone or a date. 226 Coesed Avenue, West Warwick. Great staff, terrific food. They're always working on the menu. And they also have a nice lounge as well. You have the market at Coesed right there. They're open seven days a week. I'll see you for a great meal. Make it the Coesed Inn. Propane Plus. Call them today. Heating and cooling in Rhode Island, 401-885-4209 in Massachusetts, 508-252-3359 for Propane Plus. Three generations you can always depend on Propane Plus for all your heating and cooling. Call them today, 401-885-4209. Three generations, they're available 24-7 service and delivery and they're going to serve you for a very long time they have a great user-friendly website you just log on at propaneplus.com and then you type in your zip code residential commercial propane plus heating and cooling always there for you give them a call today in rhode island 401-885-4209 in massachusetts 508-252-3359 the johnson family three generations heating and cooling you can always depend on propane plus you're listening to the john DePietro show i want people to realize there's a interesting headline right now that says is putin winning and he is manipulating people he is manipulating people in our country let me be very clear he is absolutely evil He's an international gangster. He's also one of the wealthiest people in the world because he's stolen so much money. He's a brutal dictator. He's a brutal killer. There's nothing admirable about this individual. Zero. There are so many misguided. The GOP faction wing, led by people like Tucker Carlson, trying to, you know, he's okay. He's, hey, he's, he's better than some other leaders. It's all, I, I am part, nope. I'm with I'm with the Reagan element. This this guy is absolutely evil. I think that's an interesting headline, though. Is he winning? Russia versus the West. Is Putin winning? And he believed he had a President Bush. It's true. Was fooled. Believed he had a sense of soul. Tony Blair thought he deserved a place at the top table. And the French president invited him for hours of talks at his official holiday residence. Two and a half decades in power. Western leaders thought they understood the strategy of the Kremlin leader, argued Russia merited a place in international, as an international partner. But that approach was blown apart two years ago. February 24th, he ordered the invasion of Ukraine. 
So, and also, um, what, what we have right now is look at how he killed his rival. He continues to be go going on the offensive. And the, um, you know, initially they seem to be losing the battle, but it's not like that permanently right now. And he is certainly upping his game and PR game as far as Tucker Carlson essentially totally doing propaganda president trump saying hey if he wants to attack our nato partners so so be it putin has made increasingly bullish statements declaring in december ukraine does not have a future the interview with tucker saying that a strategic defeat of russia is possible by definition western leaders have responded insisting defeating russia is the only option can't let russia win so, but then you have this latest, and I think this is, and by the way, that story by Stuart Williams, but I think this is interesting because so many people were repeating the story that somehow President Biden, and you can despise him, him and the son, but this whole notion that he was receiving all this money and it's all proven to be false. Well, now they believe there's a hearing that ties him actually to russian intelligence so and let me be very clear he should have nothing to do with our elections he continually tries to meddle with our elections i want to play this report by pierre thomas this is an interesting development allegations about that fbi informant that house republicans have relied on in their effort to impeach president biden claiming the informant has ties to russian intelligence who are trying to influence the upcoming presidential election this morning, the special counsel is calling the FBI informant, who allegedly lied about President Biden and his son Hunter, a flight risk, and is providing new evidence suggesting the informant has ties to Russian intelligence. In fact, according to federal prosecutors, the informant Alexander Smirnov claims it was a Russian intelligence officer who gave him some of that damaging information about Hunter Biden when he was trying to harm Biden's 2020 campaign. A newly filed court document lays out the stunning allegations. Last week, after he was arrested for lying and obstruction of justice, Smirnov allegedly told an FBI agent officials associated with Russian intelligence were involved in passing a story about business person number one, whose sources say is Hunter Biden. Prosecutors claim Smirnov fabricated the story that President Biden was offered a $5 million bribe by the Ukrainian energy company Burisma. That accusation has been a key talking point from House Republicans seeking to impeach President Biden. Smirnov's arrest last week ignited a political firestorm in Washington. He is lying and it should be dropped. And the government's motion to keep Smirnov in jail pending trial contains explosive new details about what Smirnov allegedly described as extensive ongoing efforts by the Russian government to target the 2024 presidential election. Special counsel David Weiss claims Smirnov is actively peddling new lies that could impact U.S. elections after meeting with Russian intelligence officials in November. Stating flatly, Smirnov's efforts to spread misinformation about a candidate of one of the two major parties in the United States continues. Prosecutors say Smirnov has connections to multiple foreign intelligence agencies that could resettle him outside the United States if he were released. Hunter Biden on Tuesday moved to dismiss tax-related charges brought by Weiss in California, suggesting that new allegations about Smirnov raised questions about other parts of the investigation of Hunter. His attorney, Abby Loyal, saying in a statement, prosecutors bowed to political pressure to bring unprecedented charges, overreached in their authority, ignored the rules, and allowed their agents to run amok. The judge rejected the government's request to keep Smirnov in jail, ordering him released under strict conditions. He must give up his passport. He must wear an ankle monitor at all times, and he cannot travel outside of the U.S., George. Pierre, we know the Russians have been interfering in our election for years. What are the national security implications of this case? George, clearly there will be questions about Smirnov's credibility. He is accused of lying, but these accusations that Russians are actively trying to put disinformation into the upcoming election is something you would think the FBI now has to investigate, George. Now, I also want to call out so many people are gullible, and the Republicans, they were taking everything this person said at face value and saying that it was all true. People are becoming distorted. 
um, there are some people, it's the same people that were saying that on January 6th, initially, it was all Antifa. And Antifa did the whole thing. And we, we know it's not true. I, I, I've been saying it since day one. There were still some people trying to say, yeah, but they were orchestrated. No, that was Trump crowd that was in there. It is. Own it. Said that from the beginning. Some people are not dealing in reality. There's different ways and avenues to go after Biden. But taking the word of Russian intelligence that are trying to destroy the West, Putin is not our ally. Some people need to wake up. When will this foolishness come to an end? My God. And that Tucker thing so embarrassing at the grocery store. Putin then murdered his chief rival as a way to say to Tucker, watch, watch this. Watch the power that I have. See this guy? We're going to have him poisoned. I'm going to kill him tonight. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. All your oil needs, make it Henry Oil. Call Henry Oil today, 401-521-0200. Reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery. Call Henry Oil today. Fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery. It's Henry Oil, residential, commercial, fuel oil delivery since 1947. They also have budget plans, service contracts, lack, lock and cap pricing. You can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Serving most of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. we got a long way to go with winter. Make sure that tank is filled. Call Henry Oil today. 401-521-0200. Henry Oil, a local family-run business since 1947 that you can depend on. For all your oil needs, call Henry Oil today. 401-521-0200. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Governor McKee and the DOT are going to have a press conference. They're going to announce new traffic patterns. For the Washington Bridge. Coach McKee's calling a timeout. With that in mind, let's do a little walk down memory lane. Governor McKee, when asked, will there be changes at DOT? It is due because lives were potentially saved. There's still a lot of frustration. Has there been any discussion of changes at DOT, potential resignation of the director? Yeah, so I'm not going to answer those questions. We're here to talk about an emergency. That's out of line. Okay, so we're here, and, 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 are, and we're, no, what, no. You, you may be talking about it, but the people I'm talking to are very pleased with what's happening right now. And, and anybody behind me right now that we're going to personalize this issue at this moment in time during an emergency, I think that is uh, beyond the pale. So we'll answer questions specific to this topic uh, going forward. I don't want to hear any more of those questions. You can take it out on me later, Brian, but there's an inappropriate question, and I'm not going to even uh, even entertain an answer on that. Uh, I have already indicated that I have full faith in the team that's sitting here and standing here with me and beyond me, uh, and that includes uh, the uh, the leadership at DOT. Do you acknowledge that people are I'm frustrated? I'm not going to go further on that. No, do you, do you acknowledge I'm going to ask you to stay on topic. What the people, I think the Mayor Smiley hit the nail on the head. We're here to service the people that live in the state of Rhode Island, and we have recognized that they have been, uh, uh, you know, certainly more than merely inconvenienced, and, and East Providence and Providence in particular. To, we'll stick to the topic at hand, and the topic at hand is reopening the bridge. You got some tremendous news because of the work that is happening by by DOT and the contractors on the site. Uh, that we're going to be open uh, for on, a, on, a, on travel both east and west uh, this weekend. Uh, that's worth uh, really acknowledging the the uh, you know the leadership that is happening uh, in DOT and beyond. Uh, I'll go back to I Andrea. Mean, Andrea can comment. Sure. I, 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 and he thought, by the way, that that was problem solved until we broke the story that now they have to take down the whole bridge. So now Governor McKee again. They're going to be having a press briefing to announce new traffic patterns for the Washington Bridge. Then we had Governor McKee trying to rationalize that it's really, you know, the people that are saying it took them an hour to get from point A to point B. And normally it would be a 20 minute ride. Some people would say it would take more than an hour. But I want you to just think of that. Normally someone says, okay, when I leave, I leave at one o'clock 
And now I normally get there to where I need to be at 115 or 120. Because of this now, I don't get there till 2 o'clock. So they say it takes an hour. Now, Governor McKee started to argue, so you were only inconvenienced the 40 minutes. So you shouldn't say it took you what took you an hour. Then he was trying to say, well, it's really only a 10 or 15 minute delay. Let's go to that montage. Then he starts to explain, treating everyone like they're an idiot, the McKee math. So let's hear that. Not tone deaf. We understand that there's inconvenience that's going on, but let's let's be you know uh, uh, honest about it, right? It depends on the time of day that you're flying, you're, you're traveling, uh, clearly. And then if you want to know the, you know, if you really want to calculate the inconvenience on a minutes, you've got to take an appropriate, the same time frame uh, that you would have traveled before the bridge was closed, and how long it would get you to, you know, get through that, and then you know that number and you and you and you subtract that number from the time frame today that's where you that's where it is and i when somebody says it's taking 45 minutes or, or the half an hour i believe them but also let's let's make sure that we don't report it as an, an extra you know that it's 30 minutes over and above what it's been in the past i mean that is um and it, that just infuriated people and rightfully so so now i'm not i'm curious to see he's announcing and they just put it out that they're going to be announcing a new traffic pattern. Now, he's going to be appearing, meaning Governor McKee, he will be appearing with his um, the senior deputy chief of staff, Joe Ullman, who's now working over at DOT, and also Rhode Island DOT Director Peter Alviti will announce plans to improve travel time on 195 further alleviate congestion leading up to the Washington Bridge. So Governor McKee to announce plans for new traffic pattern for Washington Bridge. Now, the danger here is it certainly is going to raise expectations that this is going to be better. What I like about this is it gives the story life again or new energy. And I would imagine now we're going to see the television stations then put their reporters sitting in traffic to then monitor and see if it is in fact making any type of a difference so i still come back to i don't know why they're using the current pattern that supposedly was suggested to them by some resident east providence now i also want to mention governor mckee is going to be appearing with senior deputy chief of staff joe allman and the rhode island dot director peter alviti to announce this governor mckee could have been could have been at those oversight hearings he chose not to go. He's the coach. He could have sat there. He could have answered questions. He could have defended his team. He decided not to do that. But make no mistake about it, he could have done that. So they're going to announce new plans for traffic patterns for the Washington Bridge. It is truly the story that just keeps going. And um, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised because... I'll tell you why. I'm not saying it's getting any better, but the media definitely this week, I've noticed, they're starting to not do so many stories about it. It's kind of there. It's not affecting everyone, but who, is it possible they have come up with some new... I, I don't... I'll, I'll be curious. Uh, curious is a good word. Curious to see what they come up with because part of me says, okay, you have people in the business of this. This happened on December 11th. It's... February 21st, and you're now coming up with the plan that you think is going to improve the situation. I think it's a, a fair question to ask, why didn't they come up with this earlier, as a matter of fact? You're listening to The John DePietro Show. For all your tree needs, call Yankee Tree today. The tree trimming experts in Lincoln call Yankee Tree at 401-439-6028. Whether it's tree removal, stump grinding, tree pruning, emergency service, bucket truck service, even bobcat service, you can depend on Yankee Tree. Remember, 24-7 emergency services available. They are fully insured, licensed arborists. Yankee Tree. With all these storms, don't let some dangerous branches fall onto your home or business. 
call Yankee Tree today, 401-439-6028. The tree trimming experts in Lincoln, you can depend on Yankee Tree Service. Call them, 401-439-6028. Free quote, 24-7 emergency service, Yankee Tree Service. There when you need them, 401-439-6028. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. I have to admit, I am intrigued by anyone in this day and age that still tries a bank robbery uh, simply because the amount of security measures that are in place, it's very, very difficult. So one in custody attempted robbery outside of a Swansea bank, I believe Channel 12. Listen to this. They have uh, some of the details. And there was some thought certainly put into this. They have footage of uh, where this went. I want you to listen to this. 12 News reporter Alex Torres-Perez joins us now live from Swansea, where all this started this afternoon. Alex? Mike and Shannon, in the last half hour, I was actually able to speak to one of the witnesses of this attempted robbery. She did not want to go on camera, but she told me she saw something and then wanted to help out the man who was... Uh, the suspects were trying to rob. Now, thankfully, they were all able to make it out okay. And though the crime scenes have since cleared, this investigation is far from over. A manhunt underway after Swansea police say two men tried to rob a person trying to use the drop bots at Bay Coast Bank off Swansea Mall Drive. That driver resisting one of their passenger car windows even smashed out. It's still unclear if the suspects were able to take anything, but police say they used a U-Haul for their getaway vehicle. It didn't go far, though, after it was found a half mile away on Reed Street, unrecognizable after it was burned. Investigators even finding the van's doors on the roadside. State police canines were brought in as they try to figure out what caused the flames. The suspects were able to escape the fiery van after police say they took a gray Jeep, which was later found across state lines on 195 in Rhode Island. However, only one person was inside. A viewer video showing officers with their guns drawn approaching the Jeep. The police department's public relations company confirming it was the suspect. 12 News was there as officers took him into custody. His charges are still unclear. Swansea police and state investigators are now looking through the details of each scene, trying to get answers and trying to figure out where that second suspect may be. And we have not received any other updates on this investigation since that initial information update that we received this afternoon. We'll, of course, keep you updated as we learn more details, both on air and online at WPRI.com. Reporting live in Swansea, Alex Torres-Perez, 12 News. You know, that when you think about it, I mean, obviously they were unsuccessful and the courier filed back. But look at the, you know, they, they torched the, the U-Haul. They had the switch car, the Jeep set up for that. They go to rob a courier. This is right midday, and the the person, you know, smashed out the window and then fires at them. So one is still on the loose, and that remains to be seen exactly when they may be able to get that person in, in custody. So you wonder if, were they, what, are they watching the movie Heat or The Town? One in custody atop a robbery outside of a Swansea bank. I'm not sure enough about... Um, about that now you also had the situation a driver ran off the road car crashes down a Winsocket embankment this happened uh early this morning Cass Park not far from Landmark officers determined the car lost control hit a curb and the driver overcorrected hitting a utility pole and a wooden fence driver ran off left the car behind They've been unable to get in touch with the car's registered owner. Inside the car, what did police find? A wallet, credit cards, multiple different names, and Rhode Island Department of Corrections discharge ID. Sounds like someone just got out of the big house. While the driver's yet to be officially identified, a violation was issued for duty to stop after causing damage to a highway. And when you can see the way it went down the embankment, Someone thought, okay, the best solution thing to do here is then just get out and make a break for it, which doesn't seem to make sense at all. So now let's also go to the uh, Winsocket story. They want to cut the uh, official salary of some of the uh, elected officials. City council want to cut the salary. City planning development by 11000 trying to push through that highly controversial uh, $1.1 million land deal. And it did embarrass the city. 
So let's pick up. This is the story from Gloria Channel 12. The planning and development director criticizing him for pushing through a controversial land deal. They say embarrass the city. The ordinance would reduce Michael DeRoyce's salary by $11,000. Council members say the cut is warranted because he helped execute the land deal between former mayor Lisa Baldelli Hunt and her former boss Raymond Bork without getting approval through the council. Target 12 was first to reveal the deal. DeVoice did not immediately respond to a request for comment. You know, that uh, Channel 12 piece, that really seemingly um, spelled the end for the mayor, right? I mean, after that came out, she didn't, they then did a series of stories, especially saying she really didn't know the developer when that certainly was not the case and not true. Um, But I, I think... Uh, more people are realizing there needs to be better accountability for some of the public officials, whether it's the situation with the bridge or whether it's any of these decisions that are being made locally. I uh, I hear on those that say we need more accountability from some of the people that are in positions of authority. And, and maybe that would make people think twice before they agree in some of their actions. Clearly, we need some more accountability with the situation with the bridge. I mean, that is ludicrous. There's no end in sight. And even now, people are saying, what's the latest on this? The latest could be that there may not be, they may not know what they're going to do with that until sometime in, you know, sometime next month in March. And then it's a matter of how they're going to unveil it to the public, meaning how are they going to break it to everyone, what they've you know, what is the move? Now, I've heard that the bridge needs to come down. First, here's what I've heard. First, they need to stabilize it. Then they need to come up with a plan on having to build a new one. This easily turned into a three to five year project. It is, um, I mean, I think it's disqualifying for Governor McKee. And I also want to be very clear. He's been governor for three years. I know a lot of people want to try to blame uh, Gina Raimondo. Governor McKee, he took over in March of 21, three years. He, you know, you break it, you own it. He's responsible. And I can't see anyone giving him another term four years in office after this. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. When it comes to insurance, you need a neighbor, a partner, and friend. You need Chapa Insurance Agency. They're located right on Reservoir Avenue in Cranston. Call today, free consultation, 401-900-INSU, 401-900-4678, Shoppa Insurance, SIA. Stephen, very experienced, whether it's auto, home, renters, business insurance, flood, recreational, umbrella, any other protection for your assets, Rhode Island and Massachusetts, Shapa Insurance Agency, your agency of choice. Call today, set up a meeting. They're so knowledgeable, can have everything under one roof. Call Shapa Insurance today, 401 900 INSU or 401 900 4678. Look for them on Facebook, again, located Reservoir Avenue in Cranston. Shapa Insurance Agency, your neighbor, your partner, your friend. One-stop insurance solutions. Check out depetro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com. All our links to social media, exclusive stories and videos waiting for you at depetro.com.